I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. I'm really happy to welcome Chronicle senior political writer Joe Garofoli to the show. And this welcome isn't just for you, Joe. It's for the podcast you host. We've talked about it for some time, and now it's here. This is the debut of It's All Political on the Fifth Emission podcast. Cecilia, I am so pumped for this. I'm excited for It's All Political to become part of the Fifth Emission family and to get to know its listeners and for them to get to know us. It's always fun to talk politics, no matter what the venue. And I got to apologize. I I have a bit of a cold here. I usually don't sound like this, but hey, you know, it's opening day. I got to I got to play. It's opening day. It's not going to stop us. But I'm really excited about this merger because Fifth Emission listeners will now be able to enjoy keener political insights and analysis from you. And your knowledge of California politics and issues is really just going to give fuller context to understand the day-to-day issues that affect the lives of Bay Area residents. So for our very first It's All Political on Fifth Emission episode, you decided to chat with Senator Alex Padilla. Tell me why. Well, Padilla just completed his first year in office, and, and geez, what a, what a tumultuous time to start. Just a couple of weeks after the January 6th insurrection and the middle of the pandemic. Plus, you know, he's a he's an historic figure. He's a pioneer as one of only 11 Latinos ever to serve in the Senate. He's also one of the a few children of immigrants in the Senate at a time when, uh, you know, as you know, our country still has a very broken immigration system. And of course, you know, we wanted to get a big name for our first uh, It's All Political episode on Fifth and Mission. Yeah, thanks for snagging it for us. Senator Padilla is the first Latino senator in the state's history, and stepping into this role was quite moving for him from the start. Let's listen to a clip of that moment. That's when Governor Gavin Newsom appointed him to fill the Senate seat after Kamala Harris was elected vice president. He talked about Padilla's immigrant parents. Can you imagine uh, what they... Mom would be thinking now, as I ask you, if you want to be the next U.S. Senator of the United States, the great state of California. You serious? This is the official, this is the ask, brother. I'm honored, man. And I'm humbled. There are so many issues, Joe, that Bay Area residents are worried about right now. We talk about crime and public safety on the show a lot, along with homelessness, climate change. What did you really want to hone in on with your conversation with the senator? Well, I want to talk to him about some of the more challenging issues before him, particularly on issues that, as he likes to say, are personal to him, immigration and voting rights. Both are stalled right now in Washington, and, and time's running out for Democrats. They likely will not hold the House in the fall and perhaps not even the Senate. Plus, I want to talk to him about what it was like for him to be working in what is still largely an old white guys club, the U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what it was like for Senator Padilla to step into the Senate during this very polarized political environment. Let's get into your conversation with him. Let's do it. And uh, yeah, I started out by asking him about the precise moment that really exemplified the odds stacked against him. I heard you had an interaction, a very early interaction with uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, and a golfing buddy of Donald Trump's. Graham asked you, you have an engineering degree from MIT. How does that happen? What, what did you say to Graham when he said that to you? Uh, I, I think I answered pretty quick. I said, well, I applied. <laughs> and I was accepted. That's how it happened. What, what um, does that tell you about? Yeah, what did that say to uh, you? So I'll, I'll, a couple of things that uh, I think are part of context here. Number one, coming into the Senate, just 
this is what I did when I entered the Los Angeles City Council, the California State Legislature, etc. Like, all right, you're part of a legislative body. You got to get to know your colleagues. And if it's one thing that most members of the Senate figured out pretty quickly about Alex Padilla is that he's a proud son of immigrants, which I am. And you know yes. my story, Joe. Yes, we, my parents are mm-hmm. from Mexico. They worked hard so that my brother, my sister and I could have better opportunity. And so uh, maybe it was a uh, he, he just learned it. He hadn't heard it and uh, was different. If I give him the benefit of the doubt, it's just that. But maybe, yeah, uh, I don't fit a stereotype. Uh, and and I'm not sorry about that. You know, I'm there to represent California. I'm rep- there to represent diverse communities throughout California, and frankly, you know, throughout the country and make sure uh, voices that haven't been heard sufficiently in the Senate in the past are definitely heard now, whether it's on COVID response, uh, you know, where, when, and how we invest in infrastructure, mm-hmm. how we uh, expand access to health care and quality of health care, uh, affordable housing, environmental uh, protection policy, and more. The, uh, uh, so that, that's how I took it. Before you began in the Senate, many Democrats in California thought you wouldn't be as progressive as you've turned out to be. The Wall Street Journal described you as being a business-friendly Democrat. But you ended up earning a key progressive endorsement from Congressman Ro Khanna, who considered challenging you. Here he is singing your praises back in August. Alex, you've been off to an amazing start. I mean, you've become a national voice, a national champion on voting rights, and you've been on all the progressive policies. You're leading as a co-sponsor on Medicare for All, on the Green New Deal, on $15 minimum wage. Uh, you really have taken the horns in, in, on these progressive policies. Is this who you've been all this time? Or if I'm being cynical, did you just want to keep a progressive challenger from taking you on this year? Look, I, I can't control what other people call me, but I can tell you what my track record has been throughout my uh, career in public service. You know, as a proud son of immigrants, to see immigrants targeted and scapegoated by uh, the Republican Party back in the mid-90s, that's what got me to leave a career in engineering and uh, jump in with both feet into government and politics. You know, along the way, advocating for uh climate change policy, renewable energy as chair of the state Senate Energy Committee when I was there, uh, to uh, my time as Secretary of State, having California leap from, you know, rank last basically to first, uh, truly, when it comes to access to the ballot and voting rights. You know, look at what we've done statewide to uh, expand vote by mail, in-person early voting, uh, the security of our elections infrastructure, record registration. Joe, there are now more registered voters in California than the population of the state of Florida. That's how much you move the needle. You did a lot for voting rights here in California and expanding the electorate, but let's talk about what's going on in Washington right now. Here's Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer speaking on the Senate floor after Democrats failed to change the filibuster rules in order to pass a voting rights bill last week. So, Madam President, while tonight's vote was disappointing, it will not deter Senate Democrats from continuing our fight against voter suppression, dark money, and partisan gerrymandering. With no support from Senate Republicans, many of whom deny the very existence of voter suppression, 19 states have passed 34 laws restricting voting access. How ticked off are you that this is stalled? And and what's plan B? Oh, uh, beyond disappointed, uh, beyond frustrated. Uh, but we don't give up, right? That's the the, the the 
question the challenge each and every day with the 50-50 Senate, and at least for now, the filibuster as as it exists. So uh, it was a long, frustrating night uh, earlier this week in the Capitol, uh, but we have to press on. Voting rights are, are too precious, and California has a big role to play. Uh, you know, the ideas that we've put forth in the Freedom to Vote Act, things like automatic registration, same-day registration, online registration, vote by mail, early voting. They're not ideas that we think are good. We're crossing our fingers and hope they work. California has demonstrated that they are successful and secure, good for participation, good for election security. And no other state uh, has an excuse anymore. No state is bigger than California. No state is more diverse than California. It won't be more expensive in any other states than how we've done it here. And so I think we've taken all the excuses off the table. And now we're trying to build a political will at the local level uh, and uh, all the way to Congress. So do you think something can get passed? Because what message does this send to the to the Democratic base? Biden uh, said, black voters, I'm going to have your back. Um these are the folks who put him in the in the White House. Uh, are you concerned that a lot of people, uh, the base of the party, are going to say, "Hey, this was a pri- this was a priority for us. I'm uh, screw it. I'm not going to work for that campaign. I'm not going to vote, and it's going to hurt in the fall." No, look, and, and I hear it directly too from uh, community leaders, from uh, uh, activists, from from voters, and the general public. Uh, and so uh, I, I say two things. Well, a couple of things. Number one, again, I'm not giving up. Number two, you know, what's the alternative? Turn it over to Republicans. We know what they'll do when it comes to access to the ballot on immigration, on climate, uh, woman's right to choose, and so much more. So that is clearly not an option. Uh, So we keep pressing to see what we can accomplish this session and then make sure our voices are heard uh, yet again at the ballot box uh, this year and try to keep, if not grow, the majority so that we can get more done in the years ahead. After a short break, I'll ask Senator Padilla about new legislation that hits close to home in the Bay Area. It could affect Google, Facebook, and Apple. This is It's All Political on 5th and Mission. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates 5th and Mission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. The Build Back Better plan, of course, was the centerpiece of, of President Biden's agenda. It, it appears dead in its current form. The president said uh, recently that uh, he was confident that, quote, chunks of it could become law. What chunks, <laughs> and I love using the word chunks, have uh, the best chance of passing and becoming law from your from your perspective? Yeah, look, I, I can make a strong argument for every element of sure. the, the Build Back Better plan. And so I, I feel confident that over time, uh, it all should and will get done. But there are some signs that, uh, for example, uh, that there's bipartisan support for further investing in child care, not just the child care, the child tax credit that so many families benefited from that cut child poverty in half in California and around the country. Um, we need to restore that as soon as possible, but also invest in the care, child care uh, economy. Uh, my, you know, my wife and I are raising three children. We know how critical yes. child care is uh, on a daily basis and in cases of emergency. Uh, so I do think there's plenty of support for that. But my God, if we've learned nothing else from this pandemic, it's the need to expand capacity and modernize our health care infrastructure. Yes. And so we need to do that. Affordable housing, 
we see the housing affordability crisis coupled with the homelessness uh, crisis in cities across California and across the country, expanding uh, education for the sake of our uh, the future of our economy, doing more uh, on climate issues, whether it's you know uh, tornadoes in Kentucky, hurricanes in Louisiana, wildfires in California, and other disasters in between. We know climate change is real and getting worse, and our need to act is only more urgent. So uh, that's why I've relished this uh, opportunity, as challenging as this last year has been, we know that the work is t- uh, too important and too urgent. As, as you said, alluded to earlier, uh, the last time you were on, we talked about your very compelling uh, life story as uh, the, the child of immigrants. Um, but the Democrats have done little uh, on immigration reform uh, in this first year when they have a majority. And I wanted to get give you the opportunity to respond to something that uh, Pablo Alvarado, the co-executive director of the National Day Labor Organizing uh, Network, told the LA Times this week. He said that you should have organized Latino Democrats in Congress to demand green cards for essential workers and other immigrants by threatening to vote down Build Back Better. Instead, this is what Alvarado said, and I'm sure you uh, heard this and read this, he, he uh, Padilla, chose to be soft. In my view, he's chosen the interests of his party over the interests of his people. What do you, what do you say to that? Yeah, nothing could be further from the truth. Like uh, the immigration reform is not just personal to me, given my uh, family's uh, journey and experience. No state has more at stake in it than the state of California, uh, given the uh, diversity of our population. Uh, And so, no, uh, sadly, we haven't gotten a big final bill to the president for his signature. Uh, I won't go on and on about a 50-50 Senate and the filibuster, et cetera. I'll tell you how we have moved the needle. Number one, I think it's much better understood uh, amongst my colleagues on both sides of the aisle uh, and this administration. I've taken the case directly to the president, cabinet secretaries and others, how critical immigrants are in this Build Back Better plan, for example. You know, you want to talk about uh, how we reinforce the food supply chain. Who is it that's working in the fields and in packing houses? Millions of immigrants working as caregivers throughout the Uh, the country. And so immigration policy is essential to this infrastructure plan that everybody continues to work towards uh, and rally around. The other thing is this, you know, uh, I've heard from a lot of Republican colleagues behind closed doors, don't get me wrong, we know we need immigrants, my state this, my state that, but publicly they don't have the will uh, to vote that way. They Mm. keep coming up with excuses and often point to what's happening at the southern border, and they blow that out of proportion. I think there's an increasing understanding and respect for that's two different issues, two different populations. Somebody who comes to the southern border seeking asylum, that's important. We need to address that, but we can't let that uh, situation hold back uh, the right thing to do for the millions and millions, upwards of 12 million undocumented immigrants that have been in the United States for years. Adults on average 18 years working, paying taxes, raising families, working in essential jobs, as I mentioned, they deserve better than to have to live in the shadows and in fear of deportation. So I will not let up uh, until we get it done. Let's talk about something that hits close to home here in the Bay Area. There's a new piece of legislation that will affect big tech companies here, Apple, Google, Facebook, which just passed the Senate Judiciary Committee, which you are a member of. It prohibits big tech companies from self-preferencing like when Amazon lists its own private label products higher than its third-party competitors in its search rankings. You voted for this, but also had some reservations about balance. Why? 
Look, when it comes to tech policy, as it was at the state level when I was there, and more so now at the federal level, uh, it's complex. So I agree, we need to do better by consumers uh, when it comes to access to more products, quality products, uh, and choice. Uh, But understanding technology the way I do, uh, we got to be mindful of issues of privacy. We got to be mindful of issues of security, cybersecurity, security of your data, et cetera. Uh, we got to be mindful of unintended consequences. One of the examples I raised that uh, the author has not addressed yet in the bill is if you, if you tie the hands or raise liability for platforms, uh, you know, what are the unintended consequences when it comes to things like disinformation? The example I gave was when uh, Apple kicked Parler off of the App Store last year after the January 6th insurrection for violating its terms of service. The way the bill is written right now, if there's a comparable hate speech platform that didn't get kicked off, you know, all of a sudden Apple has to, uh, uh, you know, a- answer to that. So we want to incentivize um, companies to do the right thing by way of privacy, security, moderating, uh, you know, hateful content, those sorts of things. It's, uh, it's a complex bill, uh, but absolutely agree uh, we need to uh, hold the, these big companies accountable and protect consumers better. I want to ask you about someone else who is, uh, who, who, where you got your start in politics, Senator Dianne Feinstein. As you know, uh, she's gotten a lot of heat for not using her influence and seniority to advocate for renting the filibuster to help pass voting rights. Uh, last year, she told Forbes magazine, if democracy were in jeopardy, I would want to protect it, but I don't see it being in jeopardy right now. Many Democrats, including David Campos, who told me he's the vice chair of the California Democratic Party, said she should consider resigning. You work with her. You know her very well. Are you still confident that she can carry out the duties of being uh, a senator? You played baseball as a kid. Has she lost a little bit off her fastball? Look, I I, uh, do serve with uh, Senator Feinstein, who I've known for many years. uh, And we're working well together, not just she and I, but our staff. Uh, I've heard some of the same concerns, but someone who sees her multiple times a week, including on the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, I can tell she's still doing the job and doing it well. She was uh, engaged in raising some of the uh, questions and issues on this uh, antitrust bill that you just mentioned a minute Mm -hmm, ago. mm -hmm. Uh, We were up late the night before, uh, and yes, she voted uh, for the Freedom to Vote Act, an aggressive, uh, smart voting rights bill that I helped craft, and she was a yes vote on uh, uh, moving the filibuster rule to a talking filibuster so that Republicans who want to filibuster progress have to show their face. The way the filibuster is working these days is they can do it anonymously from the comfort of their own office, and there's really no penalty or consequence. So uh, I'd like to eliminate the filibuster. The the measure before us that Senator Feinstein voted for was to at least reform the filibuster so that uh, somebody had to take to the floor of the Senate and explain their position. So um I mean, I, I think she's she's been there when we needed her. Let's be real about uh, politics here. You're not facing a lot of competition in the fall for your first uh, full term in the Senate. Uh, if you were to be elected, and and uh, uh, betting uh, the, the Vegas has the odds off the board, I think on this one. Uh, what would you like to do in your first full term, and what would you do differently? Well, I mean, I think the first full term, a lot of the priorities are going to continue. We're, we're going to. Uh, we've made progress. We'll continue to make progress on uh, climate change, for example, but more is going to be needed. Uh, immigration reform, whatever we are able to achieve in 2022. So I think a lot of the priorities will continue, uh, but uh, additional items that haven't been uh, uh, focused on uh, or talked about e- enough recently, uh, I think 
everybody's increasingly aware of the uh, mental health crisis that existed prior to the COVID pandemic, exacerbated uh, by COVID. I mean, equally, children, homeschooling uh, to, to parents and others. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of work to do, and uh, I want to continue to be a, uh, a good voice for California and for uh, working families and diverse communities uh, for as long as uh, I can. Senator Alex Padilla, thank you for being on It's All Political. Uh, we, I'm sure we'll be talking during this election season. Uh, good luck to you. Thanks, Joe. Continue to stay safe. Thanks for listening to this first episode of It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. And I hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. My story about Senator Padilla's first year in office is online right now at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. If you're an It's All Political listener, thanks for coming over. If I'm new to you, you can find me on Twitter at my name, Joe Garofoli. Thanks to producer Cecilia Lay and the King, King Kaufman. And remember, no matter what Lindsey Graham says to you, it's all political.